Men, thanks for being here this morning uh, at Outward Church. We're glad, glad that you're a part of it with us here today. Um, we are uh, transitioning to uh, chapter 4, and, uh, and so that's kind of a big deal. We've been in chapter 3 forever, it seems like, of, of Ephesians. Uh, let me just tell you a couple things real quick. One is that um, we have our Finish Strong campaign. I think I've said this before, like we don't typically do... Uh, year-end giving campaigns. Uh, We've never done one before. We're doing it now. This one has been wildly successful. Uh, Many of you have stepped up and have given towards that. What an amazing blessing that is. Um, It it really is true. It's hard to do anything without funding. And so um, it has really enabled us to be thinking, uh, forward thinking, and just saying, okay, Lord, what are you doing with this? And of course, we have some things that we've laid out. Uh, Spent about 20 grand on THX. Um, we're looking at potentially hiring a uh, full-time staff person, a uh, campus pastor out at uh, the, our Silverton location. As right now, we have uh, Brian uh, Bradley and um, Tim Porter, my brother, um, who are out there, have been preaching week in and week out. They both have businesses. They're both entre- entrepreneurs and uh, just doing uh, amazing work out there, but we've, we need to hire somebody. And then the, the third thing is looking forward to our next church plant. Um, at some point, which, by the way, is kind of painful, um, you know, as we planted uh, Silverton, um, just so many of our friends, like, left, people that have been here for, like, a decade were like, okay, I'm going to Silverton, we were like, bye, um, and it's, but the Lord is using them powerfully, and so we, we don't take the idea of church planting lightly, it's got to be something that God has called us to, and so we're looking for that, and we're looking for, for people to be planting churches um, in, in this community. Um, and, and beyond. And so uh, you might want to be a part of that someday. And so uh, we're looking to train you up. We're looking to um, see God do whatever he's going to do in your life and uh, help you get to that point. Um, uh, Ephesians chapter 4 is uh, one of the, the it, is, it is the chapter that I began in, really in verse 11 and, and following, where, where I discovered like Ephesians for the first time, the book of Ephesians. And so we'll get into that in the coming weeks. But Ephesians chapter 4 just kind of brought me to life in a way that I was like, oh, that's what God wants. That's what what God is doing. And so I'm excited to share it with you. Um, In some ways, I'm I'm constantly looking forward to to that and just going, man, I can't wait till we get there to be able to preach on this. Uh, Again, we've preached on it many times. Um, Again, verse 11 and following. Um, But we're beginning in in verse 1 here. And there's this, this, again, a major uh, transition uh, that happens here between chapter 3 and chapter 4. And the transition is that we're going from, like, uh, believe to become. The first three chapters are about believing. Um, The last three chapters are about becoming. It's this believe versus become type thing. And so the, what Paul does often is that he kind of splits his letters into two. The first part is, here's what you should believe. And then the second part is, here's what you should become. You see the same thing in uh, Philippians, where he says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him, I'm sorry, Philippians 2, 9, therefore God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's like this eruption of praise, kind of like there was at the end of chapter 3, where he says, now to him who, who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask 
or think according to the power at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. That, that's what Paul ended with, chapter 3 of, of Ephesians, and now he's going to go into, into chapter 4. Same thing in, uh, in Philippians, where he, after his praise, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so he's getting into obedience. He's getting into, okay, here's how I want you to live based on what I've instructed you on, on what to believe. Here's what here's what I want you, here's how I want you to live out the gospel. This is what it looks like. And he says, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work according to his good or for his good pleasure, do all things without grumbling or disputing, and so on. Paul does this. He does this thing. He says, This is what you should believe so that you can become. Now, we get those things mixed up a lot of times we're in, the, in the church where we say, you know what, I, I just need to be a better person, and then maybe God would accept me. If I could be a better person, then God would accept me, and so then I can, I can do all the things, whatever that is. Um, we, we, we try to become something when we haven't really changed what we believe. We try to become what we think God wants us to become without actually the rooted belief. Now, this is completely antithetical to what our culture says that we should become. It's completely antithetical to that. I uh, just, um, this morning, I was like, you know what? I should just Google personal happiness and just see what happens. So I get this article. I actually meant to bring it up here and just remembered I forgot it. But, uh, but the article begins with, you know, our country is based on, uh, from the Declaration of Independence, life, liber- liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And so this article goes on, and it's, a, it's, a, it's an article from a website that um, helps people find counseling, I believe. But it's basically saying, you know what? It's okay for you to pursue whatever you want to pursue as long as it's not hurting anybody. It says that a couple of different times. It's okay for you to just go after these things. But don't want it too much. Don't want, don't want uh, money too much. Don't worship it because then it, it becomes a problem. Um, and it's also okay for you to, you know, for that thing to kind of wear out on you and then for you to try something else. And so this article is really explaining where our culture is at today, which is like you should just go after whatever makes you happy, and that is your truth. That is what... That is what you should desire. That is what you should want, and you should go after that with all of your might. That's every graduation speech. Ah, yeah, I mean, those things are ridiculous, right? It just, you just go for it. You're the best. You're awesome, and it's going to be amazing. The problem is that is in direct opposition to what the Scriptures teach, that's, it's, it's completely different. It's completely different. And in fact, the scriptures are saying, give me your desire for personal happiness, your pursuit for personal happiness, and I will give you the calling to which you have been called. I'm, I'm going to take from you, and it's, it, you have to replace it. This is what you're replacing it with. This is what I was thinking about while I was studying this. Is like, why does this matter? I always ask that question. Why should you care? How do I get you to care about what's being said in this passage? And it really comes down to this. Like, our framework, 
our mindset, what we decide is best for us, what we want, our pursuit of personal happiness has to be subservient to the calling to which we have been called. What's interesting is that when you abide by, when you enter into the calling to which you've been called, something happens. There's joy that comes from that. A world wants to tell you that you pursue happiness on your own terms and you can find it. And it, and it continuously becomes more and more unhappy. It always takes something else. It, it always takes something drastic, it seems like. It, 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 it takes something that's, that's awful. And that, that's in part why our world is the way that it is. See, the Apostle Paul says, I therefore... He transitions, as I said, from believe to become. And ultimately, you cannot become, you cannot obey without believing. You cannot come to a point where you are obeying Christ without first believing Christ. Do, do, you, do, you, get, do you get what's happening there? You can't come to, this, to, to the table with this self-help idea. You can't come to the table with this behavioral modification idea. It can't just be window dressing because that's ultimately hypocrisy. That's what people criticize the church for, isn't it? So many times is the hypocrisy that says you claim to be a Christian and yet you're living this way. People point these things out in our lives. And the reason is, is because what you say that you believe is not really the way that you're acting. The way that you act is different than what you say you believe. So what is the problem there? The problem there is that humanity has a massive issue with God. I don't know if you remember from uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where the Apostle Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to save everyone who believes. On and on it goes. And then in verse 18, the Apostle Paul goes into this. He says, and he's basically saying this, here's why we need the gospel. Here's the problem that each of us has. He says... In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Now, that, that's a pretty caustic statement. That's a statement that our world, people, you, I, I don't know who it is, but it's basically saying, why do we need the gospel? And it's because God's wrath is being revealed against all ungodliness, all ungodlikeness, right? That's, that's what it's saying. Like, God's wrath is impending on us against all ungodliness, against unrighteousness. What does that yeah, uh, insinuate? It insinuates that there is a standard, and you and I don't meet it. There's a standard that, that God has created that is not subservient to our desires, is not subservient to, to my defi definition of happiness or righteousness or goodness or wholeness or love or anything like that. Like it's not, I don't get to define that. It's God's standard of righteousness that is being defined here. And, and it says that God's wrath is impending on humanity. Why do we need the gospel, the good news of the gospel? Because of the bad news. He goes on to say, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. 
You can see who God is because God has shown it to you. Whether you admit that there's a God or whether you don't admit there's a God. Go on to what else he says. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived. It's unmistakable. It's, it, you can clearly see that there is a God ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. This is saying, just open your eyes and look around and just go, did these things create themselves? Did, did these things create themselves? They did, they did not create themselves. And, and it's saying, this is saying, like you should be able to look outside and see this and anything other than full acceptance of yes, there is a righteous God who rules over all things and has created all things is suppressing the truth. He says, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. What, what's, what's happening there? Although we know God, although we can see God, we don't honor him as God. Who are we honoring as God? We are honoring ourselves. We're committing the sin that happened in the garden. The sin that happened in the garden was this. The snake comes to Eve and says, no, uh, God didn't say this. I'm, I think I'm totally mi mixing this up. What did, what did the snake say? This, that God knows that you will be like him, knowing good and evil. Yet you, you can be like God. You can, you can be like him if you just make your own decisions, Eve, and subsequently Adam. You can be just like him. You, you can make your own decisions. It's a lie from the pit of hell that says that I can define happiness on my own terms in my own ways in and of myself. And what happens is this, is that because we don't honor him or give thanks to him, essentially acknowledging God, we become futile in our thinking. And what, what, what does that mean? It means this. It's, it's like stupid thinking begets stupid thinking. It's like I just get dumber. <laughs> like it's, it, I know it's hard to believe, but I just get dumber. Like, I, like I, I make a dumb decision, and then a dumb decision comes from that decision. And it's essentially like uh, humanity is on a collision course with God as it continually makes one uh, bad decision after another, and they just keep going, and they keep going, and they keep going, and it says, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So our hearts, instead of being enlightened and being able to understand, they just get darker, and it just gets darker. Doesn't the world feel like it's getting darker? Doesn't the world feel like things are, are, are getting worse many times? I, I don't mean to be morose here, but, but seriously, like, there's some really crazy things happening today. There's some really awful things that are taking place today, and there's this darkness. It's like, you know, on a summer day when a storm cloud moves in, and it's just kind of moving, and it's kind of moving over you, and then pretty soon it takes out the sunlight, and it just gets darker. And that's what's happening in our world. And then he says, claiming to be wise, they became fools. They, the, the wisdom of today... As, 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 as people who claim to have wisdom, 
They, they continually keep talking and keep talking and keep talking. But if you really look at their arguments and you really look at what they're supporting and you really look at these things, what you end up finding out is that people oftentimes are becoming more foolish. It's like, here's, here's a problem. And so I know I've got an idea. Let's fix it with this. And it just gets more and more foolish as you go down the line instead of going back to the creator and saying, what would the creator have us do? How would the creator have us uh, look into this? They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. That's in reference to idolatry. It means, it means I, I'm, I'm saying instead of uh, seeking after the glory that can only come from God or glorifying him, it means I'm going after all of these other things. In this sense, it would be uh, idolatry that's in the image of a man. It's an idol, a bird, an animal, a creeping thing. It's, it's worshiping something that's created. In fact, he'll mention that in just a second here. He says, therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. What's this say? When I seek my happiness on my terms, when I, when I seek, when I, when I seek uh, what, what I want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody, what happens is, is it continually goes down this path. And it gets into the lusts of our hearts to impurity. There's a, there's a sexual nature to it. And isn't our world going down that path today as sexuality is front and center? It is the top thing. Sexual fulfillment is above all other kinds of fulfillment. And, and it's, it's disgraceful sometimes. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's crass. It's impure. It's all of these things. And it's just getting worse, and it's getting worse. And what is it saying? It's saying... There are times, and perhaps all of the time, I should say, it says, therefore God gave them up. Who's them? Humanity. In the lust of their hearts to impurity. God gives us up to be able to go after the thing that we really desire. He says, okay, if that's what you want, I'll let you have it. I'll let you go down that road. But ultimately, it's so that you come to an end in and of yourself and hopefully turn back to him. Hopefully, it gets to a point where you, where you, you say, you know what, I have tried everything. I did try money, sex, power, all of these things. A new marriage, a new life, a new way of thinking, a new religion, all of those things, I did try all those things, and God will let you do that. He will give you up to the lust of your, your fle uh, to the lust of your heart, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, it says. There's so much dishonor that happens. I mean, we could just go, we could just go into it, and we could talk about all of the ailments of our culture, the dishonoring of women. When it comes to transgenderism, it dishonors women. It dishonors their gender. It dishonors them. They were created in the image of God, male and female. He created them. And they are perfect image bearers. In the 
the, the word from our culture is like, oh, if, if that's what's gonna make you happy, then you go ahead and do that. And what the problem with that is that you're not affirming what God has created them to be in reality. You said, you know what, you can go ahead and determine for yourself what you think you should be. And it's damaging, it's dishonoring to women, it's dishonoring to their bodies. I mean, that's one example. But there's so many examples of dishonoring the marriage bed. There's uh, examples of dishonoring uh, any kind of thing that you can think of. It is out there today. It's in impurity. And that is all because humanity says, you know what? I can determine for myself what it is that I should be doing, where I should be going, how I should be living, what is really the goal, the epitome of, of, of happiness for me. That's why this happens. And it says, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Exchanging the truth of God for a lie. That's what happens. That's what's taking place. When Paul says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. What he's saying is he's saying this. I want you to take the thing that you've been holding as uh, the utmost importance, your personal, and for, uh, for Americans, I do believe, it's written in the Declaration of Independence. The U.S. Constitution comes from that. Our lives are flowing out of this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness are not bad things in and of themselves. In fact, I believe that God gives us life, liberty, and the desire to pursue happiness. It's just when that becomes ultimate over God especially for Christian people, people who claim to believe the gospel, to not be living according to the gospel. That's when that becomes a problem. And we, we, what Paul is saying is he's saying, I want you to take this desire for personal happiness and I want you to replace it with true belief in the true and living God and the grace and the love and the mercy that he has for you. And I want you to live out of that because you cannot become without true belief. If you try to become without first believing, you're getting it out of line. You're getting it out of, out of order, and it becomes a major problem. The Apostle Paul says, he says, I therefore, and then he in, inserts this phrase, a prisoner for the Lord. Now, wh why is he saying that? I, I, think, I think there's one reason why he may be saying that. He's saying, what I'm about to ask you to do is detrimental to your standing in the community. What I'm, what I'm about to do is I'm about to ask you to become something. I'm about to ask you to be something that is totally going to stand out in relation to everybody around you. And we've talked about this before. Like, that's... That's a reality. It's coming. It's here. It's now. And it's going to become more apparent to us as we go. But the Apostle Paul says, listen, I'm, I'm not just anybody who's asking you to do this. I'm somebody who is actually in prison for the Lord. Like, I went to prison because I was, what's it say? 
walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which I have been called. The Apostle Paul is saying, listen, I'm already doing it. I'm already smoking what I'm selling, dude. Like, this is my thing. I am in this. Only like one of you got it. And that makes me question what your deal is. But um, he says, I'm, I'm authentically doing this. I'm doing this at, at a level that's detrimental to my so, social standing, to, to my health to everything that I am. I am doing this, and it is gotten me into a lot of trouble. So Paul says, I'm not asking you to do something that I'm not already doing. I'm sitting in prison because I was following the call to the calling. That's what Paul says. There's credibility in there. He's the real deal and they're going to need that encouragement if they're going to live what they believe. And so, what does it mean to walk? No, let me, go, let me do one other thing first. What's the, the calling to which you've been called? I think you can sum it up in what Paul really wants I think you, I was thinking about this, like we could review chapter one through chapter three and that would be helpful and we should. But I think like if you're gonna get to the core of it, the apostle Paul says, man, I've been laying out all of these things, these theological concepts about God's sovereignty and salvation, how he chose you, how he gave you the Holy Spirit. How, uh, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. Uh, for by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not of yourselves. How he's taken uh, humanity who should be in enmity or angry with one another in, in fighting. And he's brought peace between them through the gospel. And how he's brought peace between them and God. And I, here I am, I'm reviewing all of it for you anyway, but... I mean, just like you could just go down the line. You could talk about all of these concepts that are like, man, you've been called. You have been somebody who has been brought into the amazing grace of God. It's, it's incredible. But then remember, towards the end of chapter 3 there, where he says in verse 14, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. What's... What's that saying? It's saying like, what have you been called to? I urge you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. What have you been called to? Like the immense, unbelievable, unfathomable love of God. And he just wants you to see it. He just wants you to know it. And he, he, he's like, and this is how my love came to you in this way. I chose you. 
And this is how my love came to you in this way. I gave you the son, the son who went to the cross for you. And this is how I loved you in this way. And this is, it's all spelling out God's love for us. And so walking in a manner that's worthy of the calling to which we've been called ultimately means this. Act like you're loved. Act like you're loved. And don't just act like it. Believe that you're loved. Believe it. Because you will always act in a manner that is consistent with the way that you see yourself. You cannot act in a manner that is inconsistent with the way that you see yourself. If you see yourself as loved, if you believe yourself to be loved, you will live out of that. That's why it's so damaging when in a family system, when you don't feel the love of a parent that is supposed to be there, a God-given parent that is supposed to be there, that is supposed to love you in particular ways, that is supposed to care for you. When, when that parent doesn't love you, that's a problem. When that parent doesn't love you but also abuses you, that's an even bigger problem. When that parent is gone, that's a problem. And you end up living out of that pain. You end up living out of that deficit. Paul's saying, we're not at a deficit. You are not at a deficit when it comes to love. The only deficit we have is seeing the love of God. And so he says, you've got to walk in a way that's worthy of what you've been called to. Like you have been called to this immense love of God. And I'm, I'm urging you as somebody who is actually sitting in prison because of the love of God, what he's done for me. Like, I'm, I'm willing to go to hell and back. I'm willing to do that. And so I'm calling you to that. That's what he's saying here. That's the calling to which you've been called, to live in the love of God and to see his love for you, how that plays itself out on a regular basis. So here's the thing. To the degree that you are believing, you will be becoming. To the degree that you are believing the love that God has for you. I mean, can you imagine that? Like, like in, in your marriage, like, and I, and I really think this is a part of marriage, that like you're on a regular basis reminding your spouse of how much you love them through the way that you serve them or whatever it is that you would do to make your spouse feel like they are loved. You're consistently, you're, you're wanting them to believe this love that you have for them and vice versa. And that's what makes a healthy relationship. The same thing goes for your relationship with God. To the degree that you believe the love that he has for you, you will be becoming. And Paul says, walk. Why does he say walk? He says, I urge you to walk in a manner that's worthy of the calling. So here's, here's what it's not. 
Here's what the walk isn't. It's not a shuffle. It's not like, like this, which I, I would say there's many Christians today that are just doing a shuffle, right? And some of y'all are doing the shuffle truff, truffle, which is, or the truffle shuffle, which is another thing altogether, right? But it's just, it's just kind of like this, this little, just kind of, kind of like this. And why is that? It's a deficit of really believing the love that he has for you. And some of you are doing like a fast walk and you got the hips going and everything like that. You ever seen somebody who's doing that? I practiced this in my office. It's like, you'll never see me do that again. That's, and maybe you're thankful for that, just the hips moving. My, my hips don't lie. But um, in any case, like some of you are doing like a fast walk and you look ridiculous. I mean, I just, I just need to be honest with you. Like it just, it just looks ridiculous. I mean, I know you, you feel like it, it looks fine, like you're trying not to look like you're running, but you're kind of running or something like that. But it just, it just kind of, it's the overachievement. And you're just putting all this effort into it. And some of us are in like this sprint. We get into a sprint and we're trying to get to the end and we're trying to get to the end, but then we just get totally winded. Like just, just like winded. And it, it just happens so fast. This happened to me the other day. I went hunting with my oldest son and we hadn't seen a deer all day. I was driving down this road, uh, down this road in this, in this uh, hunting area. And we were getting ready to leave. And anyway, I'm going down this road. I'm looking in this creek. And then all of a sudden, I see a deer. First deer we've seen in like three days. I jump out of the truck. I tell my, my son, Marshall, hop out of the truck. And I'm like, it's a buck. It's a buck. Yep, yeah, you know, that, that kind of thing. And then all of a sudden, bam, he shoots this deer, right? And then I start thinking, wait a minute. Did I really see horns on this thing? And so he goes down and checks, and sure enough, it was not a buck. It was a doe, and it's totally my fault. So finally end up, I, after trying to figure out, okay, what do you do when you shoot a deer that you should not have shot? I have to go. <laughs> I'm such an idiot. I have to go and call the state police. The dispatcher was not nice. Uh, the policeman uh, that showed up was incredibly nice. The guy was so gracious. Uh, he said, you know, go gut the thing and then, you know, drag it up the hill and, uh, and we'll go take it over to the Grand Ronde tribe and give it to them. And so anyway, we got the thing and he, and he comes down in his rain gear. I'm like, oh my gosh, this guy's going to help us. Well, we're trying to get up this hill that's like from here up to the top of this road. And this guy is in the shape of his life, right? I mean, just like, like a robot. And he's like, yep, let's just grab it and drag it up there. And, and he's just like, caw, 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 you know, like carrying this thing up. And I'm like, <laughs> he's dragging me and the deer up. I have the other leg and he's dragging us both up. And I'm like, what is the hurry? Like, what is going on? Like, we have all day to get this deer out of here. And you're making me look terrible. Like, I, I look like I'm really out of shape, which I probably should have known before that. But... Um, I got winded. That was the whole point of that story. <laughs> and some of you are exhausted, like I was. I thought I was going to vomit when I got to the top. <laughs> That's how bad it was. I've never felt that way before. I, was, I could not believe how tired I was. I was like, oh, my gosh. 
You just sleep for a week. Um, or maybe do some fast walking and, and get some stamina. Uh, some of you are doing like a sprint. And the sprint goes like this. It's like, and then it's like, ah, 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 so exhausted. And then it's like, ah, oh, and then it's another sprint. And it's, it's this it's this thing where it's like, I can go for a little bit and I'm full on into it. And then I, ah, and then I can't do anymore. And then I'm full on into it and then I can't do anymore. And it shows up in like how you connect with the church. Like whether you come to church or not. It's like dependent on like today, I feel like I'm doing sprints. And tomorrow it's like, nah, I'm not there. It has to do with like how we read our Bibles and how we connect with the Lord and what we do, it's just like, but God isn't calling you to a shuffle and God isn't calling you to a fast walk for sure. And he's not calling you to a sprint. He just says, I just want you to walk. I just want you to walk with me. I just want you to put one foot in front of the other and I just want you to walk. I just want you to, I just want you to walk in the love that I have for you. And to the degree that you see the love that I have for you, you'll continue to take more steps. Remember that passage that I, that I read for you earlier from Philippians where it says, so now not only in my presence but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. And it's basically giving this idea of like, man, it's not all gonna get worked out at the front end. Like if you just became a Christian, like tomorrow... Like, your desires are, are, may not change. I, I have known people that are like, I'm not doing heroin anymore. And it's like, dude, that's fantastic. God saved you from that. Like, I stopped stabbing people. Like, that's, that's amazing. Like, that's so cool. But for the rest of us, it just doesn't happen that fast. It's called progressive sanctification. It's just, it's just a walk. Continue to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Because why? Because it is God who works in you both to will and to act according to his good pleasure. It's God who's doing the work in you and the work that he's doing in you is powered by his amazing love for you that's revealed in the gospel, in the cross of Jesus Christ. That's, that's what's happening. Is that, and to the degree, this is the whole, this is the thing that we try to stand up here and say differently every single week. Like, if you get the gospel, if you love it, if you know it, if you, if you continue to look into it and just say, Lord, what else do you have for me? What, what's, what's the next thing? God's going to continue to say, it's my love, it's my love, it's my love. And it's, it's, I'm showing it to you in all of these different ways as to who I am, how powerful I am. Um, my wrath, my justice, my righteousness, my holiness, whatever. And in spite of all that, I love you. That's what God wants you to see. And your life will change as a result. And so over the next several weeks, it'll probably be months, we're going to be talking about walking in a way that's worthy of the calling to which you've been called. So that we can begin to look at this. And there's going to be really practical things about like, man, this is kind of what it looks like to walk out the gospel, the love of God in your marriage. This is what it looks like to walk out the gospel in the context of the church. This is what it looks like to walk out the gospel in the context of parenting 
This is what it looks like to walk out the gospel in the context of your work. It's going to be so practical, so I'm really looking forward to it. Um, Can we pray together as we close? Lord Jesus, I'm asking this morning that you would allow us to understand that you're just calling us to a walk. That it's, it's not a, a sprint, that it's not a fast walk, that it's not just a shuffle, but that it's, it's really walking with you because of your amazing love for us found in your good news, in your gospel. Lord, I pray that you'd awaken us to that reality. I pray that you would enable us uh, to see it. Lord, I pray for those that are that are here that are that are just feeling like they they're just not doing it. They're not they're not growing. Lord, I pray that they would just feel your mercy. I pray that they would just experience your grace. Lord, that they would feel your your forgiveness. And Lord, that they would begin to to walk with you as a result. It's in your name we pray. Amen.